we're doing a series on the power of righteousness. And this is going to be a very, very complete and thorough series. This is a very foundational piece of your walk with God. In this series, you must, you'll see this, you must have revelation knowledge in your heart that you have been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. And you must keep that ever in your mouth. In your heart, coming out of your mouth, Father, I thank you that you made me the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. This will become a fuel for your faith. This will help you to realize the great love that God has for you. It'll help you to see the authority that you are to walk in. Righteousness is a key foundational subject that unlocks to us as believers the whole, all of the Pauline revelation, all the epistles. You know, when you start to look at Romans, you know, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Hebrews, all of these epistles, what unlocks them is you have to understand you've been made righteous and what that means. Well, after this series is over, you're going to have a real good picture of that. Praise God. We're going to take our time and we're going to really get into this. So many Christians are, are, are defining their identity on what their behavior is, on their financial, how much money they make, what they do for a living. They're letting outward things define their identity, and that brings many blind spots in your life, and it causes you to shoot far lower than what God has for you, right? So we're really going to talk about these things. Now, last week, we got into it a little bit. We talked about Adam. We talked about creation, how that God created man to have dominion, sovereign authority on this earth. In other words, God was like, listen, I want you to have dominion on the earth as I have dominion as God. Now, we're not God, but we are, we are to be small g, God of this world. Right Now, Adam turned all that over to Satan. When he chose sin, he yielded. When you yield, you can't have authority over someone you yield to. Right? So when he yielded to Satan, uh, he lost everything and he died spiritually. So he was alive. He was literally righteous. Right? To be righteous, the definition of that word means to be right. It means to be justified. In other words, it means justified means I've been declared righteous by God. It means to be innocent, right? To be made righteous, it gives you and I the ability to stand in the presence of God with no sense of guilt, no sense of shame or inferiority, to stand in the presence of God as if sin has never existed because the reality of it is your sin has been erased. You've been made the very righteousness of Almighty God. Amen. To walk free from sinful and unrighteous behavior, see holiness, which is your behavior, flows out of righteousness. So if you don't know you've been made righteous, you're going to be trying in your own strength to stay free from addiction, 
you're going to try to be doing a better job, and it's all works. You're going to be working out maybe what God's not working in. You'll be working for your salvation. Gosh, if I'm just better, God will heal me. God, if I just, if I just do this a little bit better, maybe you'll bless me financially. That is not the way it is. As a Christian, the minute you got born again, you've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. You've been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. So now, because of who you've been made, all this stuff has to bow. Poverty and lack has to bow. Sickness and disease has to bow, right? Um, depression, anxiety, fear, terror, loneliness, all of this has to bow to who you've been made in Christ. So important that we see that. So we talked about Adam and Eve in creation. Now I want to talk about Adam and Eve, what happened to them when they chose wrong. I touched on it a little bit last week. I want to take my time and go into it a little bit more because you're going to see when man died spiritually, when he was no longer righteous, what happened, okay? Genesis chapter three in verse one. Boy, this is such an important series. So much in the word of God is being taught from a wrong perspective. And there's bits of truth mixed with other bits that are not true. But you know, if you go to lunch today and you decided to eat this wonderful filet mignon and 10% of it, should I even mention that now, but even 10% of it had arsenic in it, you know, although 90% was good, you would still die. Right? That's why we preach the word. Right? See, it just, there's, there's just revelation flowing right now. So Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Now the serpent, this word serpent in the Hebrew language means a snake. So it could mean a snake, right? But it also means a tempter. In the Hebrew language, it gives the picture of one, a serpent, this Hebrew word means one who puts thoughts into the mind. Okay? Now we know from the New Testament that's the one way Satan comes against all of us. When Jesus, you know, we think when Jesus was tempted that Satan grabbed him and took him onto the pinnacle of the temple. He couldn't do that physically. Where did he do that? He was tempted. It says in the Bible he was tempted in all ways like we are. How are you tempted? Satan throws thoughts in your mind. Okay, so this is the tempter. Now the serpent was more subtle, this means he was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, so the serpent says to the woman, yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Satan always comes with questions. Right? Hey, Tony, um, so why, why do you think that pain in your body is kind of getting worse even though you've been believing God for healing? I wonder why. Right? And with Satan, 
everything funnels down. All of his questions, they might start out sounding real normal, but they will all funnel down to this. Hey, Tony, the word of God is just not going to work for you this time. Right? So the serpent says this to Eve. And here's where Eve made the mistake. She did not stand in her dominion. She, the woman said to the serpent, she's starting to talk to the serpent. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And again, that Hebrew phrase, lest you die, literally is, in, lest in dying you should die. Okay? Adam and Eve, they died when they ate that fruit. Did they die physically? No. They died spiritually. And in dying spiritually, that's what opened the door for physical death. Okay? And we teach that, well, maybe God will use sickness to teach you. There was no sickness until sin came into the world. Whenever Adam and Eve sinned, the wages of sin in the New Testament, it tells us, is death. So when sin came into the world, then death came into the world, and now this is now where we have sickness, disease, and all this stuff, okay? So in dying, you shall die. What she should have said to the serpent was, serpent, I have dominion and authority over you, so shut up and get out of this garden. Get out of my garden." What are you to say? See, Jesus, if you look at his ministry, he instantly answered circumstances in his life that were contrary to what the word of God said. The Bible says he answered the fig tree. The fig tree said to him, because there was no figs on them on there for him to eat, it says the fig tree was basically saying to him, you're not eating breakfast today. So it says that Jesus answered the fig tree Just the way you and I are to answer every circumstance and every situation. If a circumstance or a situation or a symptom or anything comes up in your life that's contrary to what God says he's given you, you are to answer that instantly with the word of God and accurately with the word. So I don't need to find out why gosh, why is my kidney not working? And let me get on the internet and I need to really study how a kidney works. No, you don't have to know how a kidney works to get a new kidney. Right? Right? So you stand against it, simplify it. Satan is the great option giver and that's what he was doing with Eve. He's now building a case to give her options. Do you know how many people that our Christians are are living their life much lower than what God wants them to because they're buying some of these options, right? So look at this. The serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. In other words, Satan always will come against the word. Maybe not immediately, but very shortly. For God knows that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods. 
knowing good and evil. Partial truth, God already made them the God of the earth. Right? But God didn't make them to know good and evil. He made them only to know good. They were not, never to know evil. Is there any life in knowing about evil? No, no life in it at all, right? It says here, and when the woman saw, so Satan's thoughts or words, whatever you want to say, they caused her to see something different than she saw before. When the woman saw the tree was good for food, that's the lust of the flesh. It's mentioned in 1 John, right? When she saw that the tree was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, when she saw that it was a tree to be desired to make one wise, was she already wise? Yeah, right? But all of a sudden, she's seeing something different. And see, when you start to see something, because you're looking at it, you will start moving in that direction. Whatever you look at, you will eventually look to, and it will become your source. Whatever you see, you will ultimately start saying. So you've got to be real careful as we walk through life. We are not to be compressed into the mold of this world from the outside. We are to be transformed into the image of Christ from the inside. Okay? So now... She saw that, and then she took of the tree thereof and did eat, gave also unto her husband with her. So here's Adam standing right there. Now, Scripture tells us that Eve was deceived by the enemy. Adam was not deceived. Adam literally just, he knew, eyes wide open, he had a decision. Because when his wife took that fruit and ate it, was it an apple? who knows? I'm sure the Garden of Eden had something way beyond a honey crisp apple, right? <laughs> but whatever fruit it was, the minute she bit into it, what did she do? She violated the law of God. She instantly died spiritually. So now, think about this. Adam and Eve, did they wear clothes? They didn't wear clothes made with cloth. They were clothed in the light of the glory of God, and instantly when she died, the light went out. And Adam saw it. And so what, it, what was part of Adam's decision? A big part is he had to choose now, and he chose her over God. Now don't give Adam a hard time. You have the Spirit of God in you. Have you ever chose family over God? Dangerous stuff. Have you ever chose anything over God? That's what Adam did. So she, he was standing right there. See, if she didn't say, shut up and get out, what's he doing? He should have been like, whoa, time out. That's my wife. Don't talk to my wife, right? I'm going to protect my wife. I tell the story about a guy who came and visited our church one day. Right? And I met him before the service, and I'm, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm here for the first time. I'm like, oh, great, enjoy the service. Happened to see him after the service by the coat rack over there. And, uh, 
And, you know, and, and I said, so how did you like the service? And most people, you guys know, you've been here long enough. It's like, wow, you know, God moved. It was awesome. And he looked at me and he goes, well, I liked almost everything. And I go, really? I go, almost everything. And he goes, yeah. I go, well, what, what didn't you like? And he goes, well, he goes, I got to be honest with you. He goes, I really thought your wife was dressed inappropriately. So I looked at him and I said, oh, I go, I could help you with that. And so he kind of was like, oh, okay. And I said, well, this is why there's many churches in this city. I go, because I absolutely love the way my wife dresses. And I just looked at him. And he didn't say anything. And I said, well, hey, it's so nice to meet you. Right? They ate the fruit and the eyes, verse 7, of them both were opened. This means they were seeing something new for the first time. They died spiritually. They were no longer righteous. And now they started seeing something that they had never seen before. Christians who are born again, but do not have God as the center and do not have this as first place in their life, are seeing things wrongly because they don't know that they're righteous. When you see Adam and Eve, they weren't righteous, and we see. All of a sudden, their eyes were opened. See, now their eyes were opened to the difference between good and evil. Could Cain have killed Abel if his eyes were not open to evil? He could not have killed Abel. Right? But because his eyes, he was born in this, his eyes were opened. And all of a sudden, his brother's sacrifice got accepted by God, and his didn't, and he didn't want to change. Even though the Lord said, listen, Man, Cain, if you'll just do well, it's well, it's good. Just, just do what I told you to do. But if not, man, sin is lurking at the door and it's desirous for you and it caused him to take the option of evil and kill his brother. Right? Now we understand that, right? Because for us, all we gotta do is kind of rip somebody apart verbally. Because according to Jesus, that's like killing somebody. Right? So it says, not only were their eyes open, it says, and they knew that they were naked, and so they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. See, I believe this is one of the reasons why Jesus cursed the fig tree. Because if you look at the place, if you look at rabbinical teachings and go in, if you're kind of a freak like I am in that way, that, that area that Jesus was in was called the place of the Adams. The Adams family. The first one. And so it's very possible in this region, after they ate of the tree and they knew they were naked, they tried to cover what they felt was an insecurity, so they took fig leaves from that area and covered themselves. I believe part of the reason why Jesus cursed the fig tree, part of it was saying, no longer will sin be covered I'm here to eradicate it, so I'm cursing you, fig tree, because we're not covering sin anymore. 
I'm sick and tired. I, well, he's not sick and tired. He would have never said that. But he goes, I'm done with covering sin. Blood of bulls, blood of goats. No, I am here to be the Lamb of God. I'm going to wipe it out. Right? That's a little commercial break. So they died spiritually, and Adam gave his dominion up when he disobeyed God's word. In the same way, when you and I choose to disobey God's word, we give up this dominion. Now, we never lose it. We just can't walk in it. We're still righteous, but because we no longer see that we're righteous, we don't have any confidence, so we can't lay hold of things that God's given us. And this is why we teach this. Okay? When Adam obeyed Satan, he gave his right of dominion over to him. So in Luke 4, 6, in the temptation of Jesus, we read this last week, in the temptation of Jesus, the devil said to Jesus, he said, listen, all this power, that word power means all this delegated authority, will I give you, Jesus, and I'll give you the glory of them. In other words, he showed him all the nations of the world and the glory of all the nations in the world. And he says, listen, and the glory of them, for all of this authority over all of this stuff has been transferred to me. It says, it says delivered. It's the word transferred. It's all been transferred to me, and to whomsoever will, I give it. Do you know there's people on the earth right now that have been given riches and glory of the world system by Satan, given it to him. I remember, I can't, I can't remember the, the uh, if, if I said his name, everybody here would know it, some rock star. They were interviewing him. And, you know, he's getting up in age. I mean, you know, this guy was one of these guys, he's, he's been going since the 60s. And they were interviewing him, and they're like going, you know, you're worth hundreds of millions of dollars, and you're still on the road doing concerts. Why? Because it can't be for the money. And his response, he didn't even blink. He said, I'm just, keeping up my, I'm just keeping up my end of the bargain with the man. Right? The band Kiss, Knights in Satan's Service. I had a roommate... Uh, you know, I, I rented rooms when I was a young man in California because you couldn't afford, I couldn't afford an apartment. So when I was like 18, 19 years old, it was a three-room condo and a landlord would just rent rooms to different people. Well, one of the guys, he worked in LA. He was an ex-Marine. He was in uh, Vietnam. Um, and so one day uh, I said, so Joe, what are you doing? He goes, oh, he goes, friends of mine are, have, and they're, they have a band and there's a big concert in LA and I'm gonna go see that and hang out with them. And I go, oh, I go, where's it at in L.A.? He goes, at the Coliseum. I'm like, okay, who is this band? And he goes, oh, it's Kiss. He was good friends with one of the band members. And then he looked at me and he goes, you know, those guys are as serious about their God as you are about your God. And I go, well, what do you mean? He goes, man, the first time I hung out with them before us, he goes, man, we're back there smoking weed and doing some stuff, you know, and drinking and just kind of hanging out. And then all of a sudden, they broke in the prayer and they started praying to Satan that he would speak through them, that he would anoint them 
and proclaim his message through them and manifest himself. Wow, right? That's some deceived people because Satan is a pre-Adamic loser, right? Even before Adam and Eve hit the planet, he was kicked out of heaven. He's been losing ever since. Because of Jesus, he's lost it all. So now, Adam and Eve's eyes were open to themselves in a new and in a different way. They were spiritually dead. But I'm here to tell you, if you, as a child of God who's been made brand new on the inside, if you don't yield your flesh as a living sacrifice and, and literally renew and renovate, allow the word of God to renovate your thinking, you can do the same thing. Although you're righteous, you won't even know it. And you'll never be able to act on it and walk in the freedom. And that's why we teach these things. So that you know, wait a minute, I was made righteous. You can't change that as a Christian. Right? You could cover it up, but why? And by the time we get done here, you won't want to. Their eyes were open to themselves in a new and different way. What was that way? They were now conscious of their selves. They were self-centered instead of God-centered. They were self-aware. Man, we are not created to be self-conscious and self-aware. Husbands and wives... Every fight that you'll ever have with each other is because you're self-aware. Pretty much about any time you get upset, unless you're getting upset at the devil for what he's doing, that's be angry and don't sin. See, when you're angry and you go into sin, it's when you start thinking about yourself. I can't believe you did that to me. You're in a wrong place. You're considering yourself. You're acting like somebody spiritually dead. Is that plain? They became self-centered and self-aware, and that, literally, self-awareness and self-centered is the law of sin and death. And what comes out of that law is fear, and what comes out of that, that fear will connect you to everything that Satan can do to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. This law of the spirit of life, according to Romans 8, that is in Christ Jesus. What is that? That is the law of the love of God. What comes out of that law? Faith, which enables you to lay hold of everything that God has provided for you, has made me free from this law of sin and death. This is why Romans chapter 6, he tells us sin no longer has dominion in your life. It might feel like it, but it doesn't. So don't buy it, Christian, right? The light of God's glory that, was clo that clothed them because they were righteous went out when they died spiritually. The first thing they did when they died spiritually is they tried to cover up what they, what they thought was an inadequacy. In the same way, if you're conscious of your sin, you will try to cover it up. Because Why do you do that? Because you're self-aware, you're, right, you're not conscious that you're righteous. 
That's literally the only reason. Every inadequacy, every weakness, every shortcoming, every failure that we see about ourselves, we try to cover it up so no one else can see it. Why do we do that? Because we're self-aware, which means we're, the Bible says it this way, to be carnally minded is death. Interesting. So in other words, man has a complete inferiority complex as a result of the fall. The minute they died spiritually, now they have a complete inferiority complex. Man became aware of his inferiority. And then what happens is people adjust and they overcompensate and it's covered up. Walking conscious that you have been made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ, it literally, it literally will create in your life a condition of not being self-aware. One of the greatest things, when you realize you're righteous, you will not be concerned about yourself. And that brings you into freedom. Because now, you're, you're, start, you're starting to walk and live on a God level. You're walking the way you were made. Living your life conscious of yourself, what that does is it creates blind spots. Self-aware is a foundation of pride. If the first thing, if you study pride in the Bible, the first thing pride does is it blinds you. A person in spiritual pride thinks that they're spiritual and everybody else is a mess. And it literally destroys their life. I can't find a church. I go from church to church. I can never find a church. Why? Because they're just all a mess. Well, what's the common denominator? Is every Christian on a planet a mess? Or could you possibly be a mess? I remember in my life, when the Lord came to me and he said, Tony, the problem in your life is wherever you go, there you are. So let's talk about this. Right? When I was preaching at the L.A. County Jail for the first time, and I just blasted all these inmates, it freaked me out. Because for 45 minutes before the service, you know, I'm in there with 600 inmates. And, and many of them didn't look on the outside like they played well with other children. And I had one guard that was unarmed. And I had to sign my life away. I was 21 years old. And I had this message about how much God loved them. And I was talking to all these guys, you know, and, and they were all giving me all these excuses about why they were where they were. And some of them were horrible. Most of them abused by parents, you know, grew up with no parents. I mean, just horrible sexual abuse, physical abuse, just grew up in horrible situations. And I get up there to preach when it was my turn. And the first thing out of my mouth was, I've never met so many babies in my life. I've never heard so many excuses about why you're in here. And I thought I was going to pass out because I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going home. I'm going home right now, and it's probably not going to be pretty, right, you know? And then right after that, I mean, it was silent in the room. The people who brought me in, they're like, oh, my gosh, what did he do, right? 
And then right, right when I said that, it was like something opened up on the inside of it. Can't talk about it. It comes over me. And there were scriptures on the love of God that I had no idea that I knew about. There was an insight into the love of God. I wish I could have recorded it because it was like, wow. And all of a sudden, these guys, it went from 600 guys looking at me like, okay, who gets to kill him first? <laughs> to tears. Because it was like 20 minutes of just the love of God. And I made a statement that years later was, was literally, <laughs> God is so good. It was a statement that I made that came right out of my spirit and it saved my life. And I said this, when you blame someone else for where you are, you lose your ability to change. That later saved my life when I was a mess. Interesting, interesting. So the problem with mankind, all of it, all of the inadequacies, all the weaknesses, every, all the shortcomings, all the failure is that we're conscious of ourselves. 2 Timothy 3, in the last days, in the final days, perilous times will come, right? Dangerous, difficult, strength-reducing times will come. Why? Because men will be lovers of their own selves. They're abiding in spiritual death. Satan loves it. So walking in a righteousness consciousness creates a condition of you not being self-centered or self-aware. So you could go home and you could try to say, okay, I'm just gonna do better. I'm just gonna try to be, I'm just gonna try to not be self-centered. Good luck with that. Or you could focus your attention on gaining revelation knowledge that you've been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. And all of a sudden, you will see that, wow, I'm living my life not aware of myself. This is the way it works, guys. It's a flow. Verse 8 of Genesis chapter 3. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Are you kidding me? Let's play hide and seek with the all-knowing, omnipresent God. But spiritual death is stupid. Have you ever done stupid things? I mean, or is it just me? I'm so glad that you don't, I don't have to be stupid anymore. Right? He gives wisdom to the simple. You know when you read simple in the book of Proverbs, you know what that Hebrew word means? It means stupid. Isn't that interesting? A sin consciousness, in other words, being aware of sin, it will cause you to hide from God and draw back from him. That's why, like we said last week, that's why most Christians... They don't really see God as their heavenly father, as their dad. This is why the enemy comes so against the family. He doesn't want the world to know what a dad is. Right? So verse 9, 
And the Lord God called unto Adam and said to him, where are you? In the Hebrew language, he didn't ask him where he was. Okay, come on, seriously? No, in the Hebrew language, it's, Adam, why are you where you are? Why? Right? In other words, Adam, why did you leave me? And Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. This is the first time fear is ever mentioned. When you are self-aware, it's because you're not aware that you're righteous as a Christian. When you're not aware that you're righteous, you will become self-aware, and next thing you know, fear will be, will be on the scene. All of a sudden, you'll be fearful. I just don't think this is going to work out. I don't think that my future, I just don't think God's going to move. Maybe, you know, this thing that happened to me, maybe God allowed it. And then people go to church and hear that stuff, and they're like, oh, this pastor who knows everything about God, are you kidding me? Just said that, so it must be true. No, no, listen, here's, here's the litmus test when you, hear the word of, when you hear somebody preach. I don't care what seminary they went to. I don't care what degrees they have. If it's not, it is written, don't buy it. Right? I don't care how, how good it sounds, how cool they are. Don't buy it if it's not, it is written. They were afraid because they knew what they had lost. They were afraid of God because of what they lost through their own actions. They knew that they lost something. But now look at this. Even though they knew they lost something, they were not willing to take responsibility for it. When you are self-centered or self-aware, you will blame everybody else right? You husbands and wives, have you ever been, uh, well, if, if I were to interview men, right? How many, how many times does your wife make you, make you feel like it's always your fault? Every man, it's like, that kind of ticks me off, but right? This is why, why does all that stuff happen? Why does it get so confusing? You never win an argument because you're self-aware. It's death. Do you know, I don't care how bad a marriage is, if both parties will choose to draw a line in the sand, forget about all that junk, and both start to be concerned about one another, you could, any marriage could be healed. When I've counseled people, usually I tell them, okay, for the next week, I want you to walk around with a pad of paper, put it on your phone, I don't care, start to make a list of everything you like about your spouse. Right? I've had many go, well, that's going to be, that doesn't take me a week. I'm like, no, it might take you a week because there might be a couple things that you see, right? But if you'll focus on what's good and you focus on how you could bless them, it'll work. Now, if one spouse decides to do that and the other doesn't, it's probably still not going to work, right? So here we go. This is not a marriage seminar. Verse 11, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree whereof I commanded you that you should not eat? Why would God say that? He knew that. He was trying to point out to them that your condition is because of your choice. Right? In the same way, when God when, when he chastises us and corrects us as his, as his children, how does he do that? He does that with his word. 
he will always nail it right down to get rid of all the excuses. You chose this. Take responsibility. Why is 1 John so, so powerful in keeping your fellowship clean with God? Because God needs you to acknowledge that I did this, I chose it, and it was wrong. You call it sin, it's sin. Because that's what he was trying to do with Adam and Eve. Because if you think that, well, the reason why I am is because of my parents, my grandparents, well, I was sexually abused here, I was raped, I was done wrong, this person lied to me. If you think it's because of somebody else, you can't walk in freedom. Because you're looking at that instead of looking at who you've been made as a righteous child of God. Do you know, as you're sitting here today, you're righteous children of God, you are an heir to everything. You in financial trouble, guess what? God owns everything and he made you a co-heir. And his answer is always yes. And he's not tied by the interest rates or the economy. He could pay your house off in a minute. He could pay your student debt off in a minute. All things are possible to him, right? And all things are possible to you if you'll believe him. So this is why this is so, so very important. My inferior inferiority complex, in other words, is because of me. When you realize that, guess what? You could walk free from it. Verse 12, and the man said, the woman who you gave me. So see what Adam's doing? He's saying, this woman, it's her fault, but really, God, it's your fault because you gave this woman to me. You know, God's probably thinking, hey, you weren't seeing that the first time you saw her, and you're like, this is bone on my bones. You know what that means in the Hebrew language? Wow. She's drop-dead gorgeous. You weren't saying that then, Adam. Now you're like, yeah, the woman who you gave me, blaming, right? Gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent, blames the serpent, beguiled me. That means the serpent deceived, seduced me, and led me astray. And I did eat. Wow. So we see some characteristics that we can walk in if we are not conscious that we've been made the righteousness of Almighty God. Do you want to be free from yourself? Dominate your flesh and walk as Jesus walked? This is how you do it. You want to walk in the prosperity that God has for you? Do you want to walk in the health that God has for you, the restoration? Do you want to walk with the excitement of knowing that whatever I desire in my heart, my God has already given it to me? That if I'm believing God for a spouse, if I'm believing God for my kids to be right or my family to be restored, that it's already given to me. And then when I realize, wait a minute, I'm the one who has dominion. Because you look in the natural and it looks like, man, Satan's just eating people's lunches. And the reality of it is he's a defeated, stripped foe in your life. So Satan, you shut up. Take your hands off of that and get out of here. 
you wake up with a fever. Fever. I know you can hear me. I don't know how, but I know you can hear me. I command you to leave my body in Jesus' name. And I'm not moving from this until you do. Symptoms, I command you to go. Sickness and disease, I command you to go. Body, I command you to come in line with the word of God. The Bible says if you could bridle your tongue, the Bible says if you could bridle your tongue, you could control your whole body. You mean you could tell your liver to work right? You could tell your heart to work right? You could tell your blood levels, you need to come up to this level. You could tell your blood pressure, oh, wait a minute, no, 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 no. You gotta go down into the normal range. If you could bridle your tongue. But you can't do any of that if you're walking around going, okay, body, I command you to come in line with the word of God. <sighs> Dave, what is going on with my wife? Why is she doing, that won't work. Right? Satan throws thoughts to try to get you off speaking death so that your tongue can hand you things. He can't hand you anything. Right? He has to get you to hand, hand it to yourself. Oh, he'll attack your body illegally. But, but when he does, don't you hand yourself that stuff. You reject it. I reject poverty and lack. I reject sickness and disease. I, re I refuse to worry. Right? Have you, ever had, have you ever had opportunities to worry? Have you ever noticed when it's late at night, you start worrying about stuff? Man, I'm telling you, jump out of bed and say, no, I'm not worried. Learn how to stir yourself to laugh. Right? I thought, Brother Hagen, when I first, when I, the first time I was at Ramah, all of a sudden he started going, ha, 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 ha. And I'm thinking, what in the world have I gotten myself into? Pretty soon a couple people started laughing. Pretty soon the whole class, I mean, you couldn't stop laughing. And he's just walking around, ha, ha, ha. And he told us, he goes, you better learn how to stir, stir up joy. You better, you better learn how to laugh. And then he told a story about he was preaching at a church and, you know, he was staying with the, with the pastor and his wife and he was in bed. And now he was healed of an incurable heart disease, right? Or incurable blood disease and, a, and a heart dis, uh, his heart was deformed. And he was healed of that. And he said, man, he goes, I got in bed. And he said, death came all over me. He said, symptoms just roared in my body and I knew this, I could die. And what he did, he goes, I didn't want to wake up the pastor and his wife. He goes, I pulled the blankets over my head and I started going, ha, 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 ha. And he started doing that until he was laughing and all of a sudden a thought hit his mind. What are you laughing about? And he responded verbally out of his mouth, I'm laughing at you. Right? And the enemy kept coming at him. And he kept laughing. Why are you laughing at me? Because you think you could kill me and you know you can't. And in time, 
That night, every symptom left his body. There's a spiritual root to all of this stuff. And if you'll be willing and obedient, see, this is where we are in the church today. We've been so self-centered. We've got all these blind spots that we think we're willing and obedient. But really, we're living our lives with us as the Lord and not him. But if you will start to speak, I am the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ, all of a sudden, and you put his word first place, you will start, the light will start getting turned up and you'll start to see some blind spots. And when you see them, you just go, wait a minute, nope, I'm not going there anymore. I'm willing, I'm obedient. It literally releases the power of God in your life. Oh, this is, this truth is so much better than the way it sounds by the foolishness of preaching, but I trust that the Holy Spirit is imparting something very profound to your spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. So let's start getting into what the word says here. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Oh, so many people think that they understand this scripture, and it's so funny. Because about a million years from now, we're going to go, wow, I'm seeing things here that I've never seen before. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ. So Paul defined a Christian as in Christ. Romans defines in Christ as the Holy Spirit dwells in you. If the Holy Spirit dwells in you, then you are born again and you are in Christ. The Holy Spirit doesn't, doesn't dwell in you only when your behavior's right and then stops dwelling in you when your behavior's not right. That makes no sense because the Bible says the Holy Spirit will abide with us forever. And we get messed up because we read Romans 8, 1, and we don't realize that part of that verse was not even in verse 1, it was in verse 4. And I don't, I don't need to go into that, but it's, I'm telling you, you're in Christ if the Holy Spirit's in you. If you've invited Jesus to be your Lord by truly believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confessing with your mouth, Jesus, not only are you Lord of all, but today... I'm making you my Lord. I'm bowing to your Lordship. And, and I'm willing to commit. I believe this, so I'm willing to commit my life to it. What happens is the Holy Spirit of God comes into you, takes out the spirit man that is dead and separated from God, and it's, that spirit man is gone. That old man is gone forever. And then he puts a brand new spirit in you, and then the Holy Spirit takes up residency for eternity in you, and then he sheds his very love abroad in you. He saturates you with his love. Why? So that you can now start to gain revelation knowledge that God loves you. Because out of that is how you walk by faith and how you live by faith and how you do all these things. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. You need, to, you need to confess that. I'm a new creature. This word creature in the Greek means a new creation. It literally means one who has never existed before. It literally means an original form. There's never been one like you, and there never will be one like you. You are one of a kind, and you are made in the image of your Father. So don't ever minimize yourself. 
He says here, old things are passed away. What is passed away? Not outward things, inward things. Spiritual death is passed away. The sin nature is passed away. Here's another thing that's passed away from your spirit. The self-centered life is gone. Your, your, your spirit is never self-centered. When you're self-centered, your flesh and your unrenewed mind are taking you in that direction and it will cause inner turmoil in your spirit. Right? That's what was done away with. You are not reformed. You're, you haven't been altered. You're not the new improved version, right? You were born again, born again from above as a new creation in Christ, a brand new creature. Your nature changed. You gotta see that because this is the thing if you don't see that, you will live like somebody who doesn't know God and your behavior will start to dictate and define who you are and it's not who you are. And you will live a life of inner turmoil because you're like, you'll live in Romans chapter seven, which actually it's disgusting, but Christians get, get excited about Romans chapter seven. But they don't, they don't read the last verse. They love the part, you know, the thing I wanna do, I don't do. And the thing I don't want to do, I do. Oh my goodness. And every Christian goes, well, see, yeah, that's who I am. Well, time out, keep going. At the end of that chapter, Paul goes, who is going to deliver me from this body of this mess? And then he gives us the answer. I thank God that Jesus delivered me. So now, as a righteous child of God, you have been delivered from that. Eternal life was imparted to you when you got born again. Now you have the capacity to see Jesus, to see others, and to see yourself in their true light. See, this inner transformation that happened in you now allows you to see who he is, right? You see who you are in him. You see everything right you can see things outside right because of the inner transformation but if you don't know that you will be governing everything by your senses and nothing and it gets really confusing why is God not moving why why won't God do this well he can't fix it because you've got a hold of it he can't fix it because you're choosing to speak death. I told my mom one time, she's like, you know, I had one of these moments with her and she's like, Tony, what can I do to help myself? I go, mom, I grew up, you used duct tape for everything. You would, you would, you would add years to your life if you would use duct tape on your mouth. <laughs> right? I never said that to her again. But it was absolutely the truth. Man, your mouth hands you things. Your mouth has in it the power of death. Don't yield your tongue to Satan. How do I do that? By speaking what I see out here in the natural realm. We were born again as a new creation in Christ. 
now I have the capacity to see things as they really are, but I also, this is what it also does, when I know that I've been made righteous, now it causes me to have boldness and walk courageously through life. Because now I know in myself, listen, we're not talking about anything we did. You could do nothing to be made righteous. You had to believe God. But he made you worthy. It doesn't bring him any pleasure when you think of yourself as a lowly worm. When you beat yourself up for sin and your past. Because Jesus is like, man, you have no idea what I paid for to take care of that. Right? This is so important that we see ourselves in the right light. Boldness and courage. Don't just try to be bold and courageous. No, no, you got to see who you are. Joshua knew so much what God said to him. He believed it so much that he, when God told him, listen, Josh, no man, Joshua 1.5, no man will stand before you all the days of your life, stand before you to block you from victory. So now, fast forward, he's in a war, and they're winning. And the way war was back then, I mean, you know, they're over here, you're over there, you run at each other with swords, and I mean, it's brutal. And the children of Israel are kicking their butt, but the sun's going down. And what would happen in war, when the sun went down, both armies would go back to their camp, and they'd wait till the sun came up again. Well, Josh is going, hey, God's given me the victory. He literally told the sun to stand still. Why? What did he base that on? Well, God said, no man would ever be able to stand before me. So he believed it so strongly. It says in the word of God, on that day, the God of heaven hearkened to the voice of a man. Now we know scientifically, do you realize God had to stop the whole universe? How can that even be? He stopped the whole universe for an Israeli who was not born again, who had a covenant with him. I wonder if he would move in your life as his child. My heart burns. It burns for us to know these things. Well, praise God. I think, I think that's good for today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to continue to go and through these scriptures. God has made you a new creation. You are righteous. Say this with me if you, if you want to. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ Jesus. I have been made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good news? Keep that in your mouth and it'll change your life.